Welcome to the Digital Forester podcast, where we talk to foresters about how they are using digital technologies in their day-to-day forestry work. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Digital Forester podcast. Today, I have two guests, two guests from Sweden. First, we have Marcus Druga. From, he's the founder and CEO of Arbo Air, and we also have Jacob Jarlmansson, who's the CEO of Arbo Air. Marcus and uh, Jacob, how are you doing today? Good. Really, yes. really good. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. Good stuff. So we have two of you. So I, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun today. Um, get both of your backgrounds, your views on what the world of precision forestry looks like. But maybe I'll start off with you, Marcus, in terms of your background and your journey. Uh, I note that you have an economics background, also an engineering background, but mm-hmm. also a forest owner, which is a unique combination of all three. But maybe share with our, our our audience your background. What's your journey? What what got you into forests and forestry? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a journey. That's a long journey, actually. But uh, I uh, I came into this because I was studying uh, to be an engineer in uh, in um, in Linköping in Östergötland in Sweden. And I, the first two years, I got two kids. So my two uh, firstborn sons. And then I took a, a, just a little bit of um, a break from my studies. Uh, and then I took just one course that I were really interested in, because, and it was in inter- entrepreneurship. And, uh, and, you know, and, and that was, I've always been very interested of that because like the whole, like my whole family, like my father is an entrepreneur, my grandfather were and my, my, yeah, my, my mother's father, you know, and my sisters and, you know, everyone is it. So every time when it were like Christmas celebration or something, you know, we were talking about like customers and, and all that stuff. So, and in this entrepreneurship course, um, they told us like, oh, you need to f- find out some kind of idea that you could commercialize and just look into it. And actually, um, I, I've always been really interested in, I mean, I, sus- like sustainable ways of doing stuff and, and also like how, how can you work like very close to the, to the, to the things that are in, in a life cycle in, in our environment and capturing carbon and so on. Uh, so I, I started off looking at um, farm, uh, uh, like how to, to work in agriculture actually. And I went out to a farmer uh, in just outside of the town and, and his name was Busse. And I asked him like, you know, I have this vision, you know, I have this drone swarms like going all around, you know, flying all this stuff and, you know, analyzing your, your, your fields and, and all that stuff. And he was like, oh, I don't know, I, you know, you know. <laughs> but, but he said, he told me like, you know, I'm always at the, at, like the whole summer, I'm always sitting in my tractor at the fields and working hard, you know, but I'm never any time to go back and look at, into the forest that I own. And, and the bark beetles, the mountain bark beetles are like destroying it every day and we're losing money. So can you, can you look into that problem, uh, please? Uh, and I said, yeah, of course. And, and then I started just looking into it. And, and when I started looking into it, you know, I just, it was, you know, man, it was, it was so much to look into because I like, I, I haven't even like, 
thought about that problem at a global scale, you know. And when I when I began to Google it, you know, I saw like Canada, you know, Rocky Mountains, like Poland, Russia, Germany, you know, they call it the silent fire. And, you know, I was like, what? I'm shocked, you know. And I saw that it was spreading even north for every every year, you know. And then and then uh, I was like, I need to do something, you know, I, I need to look into this problem uh, in, in a way in, in in my in the way that I can, you know, from a technical background, how can I like work with this? You know. Yeah. So amazing. So you went to see a farmer and ended up discovering yeah. trees and forests and a whole issue or or challenge there. So amazing story there. And and maybe Jacob from your side, tell me more about your background because I know you're a, an environmental engineer. You've got a pulp and paper background. Uh, both of you, I think, studied that. I was going to say Linkoping, but obviously I pronounced it wrong by Linkoping as you <laughs> said it, and I probably still pronounced it wrong. For our listeners, this is somewhere southwest of Stockholm, kind of in between Gardensburg and Malmo and, and Stockholm, for those yeah. who, who know Sweden. But Jacob, maybe share what your background is and and, and maybe uh, connect the dots in terms of how you and Marcus met, where you childhood friends met at school but what's your background and what's that that cool story that connected the two of you oh yeah uh, <clears throat> as you said I, I have background as an environmental engineer and I early in my studies at university I felt that I love learning stuff but I'm more of a practical person my driving forces are doing stuff I love to do stuff and I love to be a driving force when I do stuff I, I also have quite a create creative imagination. So, so innovative solutions, doing new kind of stuff. That was that was what I wanted to do. So already at my second year at university, I started a, a consultancy firm specializing in sustainability consultancy. So we helped uh, a few different companies with the ISO certification. So it's in the, the certification for environmental standards. Uh, engineer standards and so on and we also helped companies working towards the UN uh, global sustainability goals and within this work I was hired by a company called Södra Skogsägarna so that it's a south uh, forest owner uh, association in, in Sweden and I was hired to do a job as an environmental engineer in their pulp and paper factory in the south of Sweden uh, and through this job, I learned quite quickly about the problems with timber inflow, and especially when it comes to bark beetle damage timber inflow to, to a, a, a paper and pulp uh, mill. That was something that was a huge problem for us when I worked there. And this was during my time as an engineer student that I worked with, with this consultancy firm and worked at Södra. And during an event, because I, I drove this kind of company, and we, we are, I also always love computers and software. Uh, so I, I started quite early with this company together with the ones I worked with then to, to try and develop a software for the, uh, to help companies meet the, the UN's uh, global sustainability goals. And I was invited to uh, a meeting together with the Prince of Sweden. He has an entrepreneurial fellowship with successful entrepreneurs so it's uh, people who were 
starting off some of the biggest uh, fintech companies in Sweden, some of the biggest food tech companies and so. And I was invited to, to sit there. And at the same table as me were the, the Prince of Sweden, uh, Daniel, uh, one of the founders of the company HelloFresh, and Marcus Drugge. <laughs> so this is, this is the people that I remember from, from this event. And I'm sitting here and I hear Marcus tell me a story about this farmer, Busa, and his ID. And as a person that has been working in the paper and pulp mill, seeing this problem from, from that side, being somebody that loves doing innovative stuff and driving forces, I just felt that I love this ID. So Amazing. after this event, I, I uh, took Marcus at the side because we know uh, each other a little bit because we had met in some different courses. And I told him that I love your ID and I'm going to give you two options. One, we work together or two, we're the biggest competitors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great story. So it's like, yes. hey, we're either going to fight or we're going to get along and, and, and yes. be successful together. That, that's an amazing story. Absolutely amazing. I, I did notice that um, in the background there from agriculture to forestry and your stories about being the prince with the Prince Daniel Fellowship. It seems like that was a genesis point for both of you to, to go forward. Yes. So th that's that's absolutely um, amazing. So maybe where we are now in our conversation would be great if, um, Marcus, I'll get you. It sounds like, you know, visionary, strategic guy with Marcus and then uh, Jacob, you know, ideas, doer, get the yeah. hands dirty and get stuff yes. done. That's what I'm hearing, which is often a, a great recipe when uh, we think about entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. the, the, the high in the sky thinker sometimes, and then the doer <laughs> making things happen. Nice. And you know what I mean there? I love, love hate relationships sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> but thinking of Arboyer, maybe introduce me in terms of what the mission vision of Arboyer is and what you're trying to accomplish or what problem you're solving. We've heard about the beetle. So I'm assuming this is a precision forestry solution. Yeah. doing some type of quantitative analysis to support decision making but mm -hmm. i'll let you guys um describe things as i know you you advertise 15 times faster eight times more accurate for large areas but maybe for our listeners give us context mm -hmm. what what are you guys solving yeah so like we started off like uh just looking into the whole industry just gathering all the inf information that we could you know for the need and, and then, then we saw like that the bark beetle, that was one of the biggest needs. And, and so we started off just looking into like invasive species, actually, just that, that, that like destroyed um, uh, the forest or the ecosystems or, you know, when it's not the balance. And, and like, we didn't know what kind of technology we were supposed to use for this, but like it, became quite clear after a while that like we need high precision you know we need to analyze every tree and like really see the characteristics of every tree and and, and also like we saw that what kind of technologies there are out there there are very flexible so so somebody that that could go out with a with something and just do it like at the spot and that was drones then and and we saw also that like if if we get so many pictures from the forest we can't do this manually we can't handle the the flow of information coming into the company so we need some kind of uh, ai or or a smart computer vision something to to analyze this for us 
So we started off there, I think. Uh, Jacob, what, what do you have to say? Yeah, uh, I want to add that our, our vision is for the power of trees. Mm. We're working for trees and for everything that we can do. In, and our vision is to, or our mission is to do this by, by being a leading actor when it comes to digitized uh, sustainable precision forestry. We want to give you exact information about every single tree in the forest, no matter if it's for the use of, of uh, increase of biodiversity in the forest, if it's for uh, carbon sink in the forest, or if it's for gaining timber value. We want to give forest owners and, and forest companies the possibility to have the data necessary to take action for a more sustainable future. Very cool. Very cool. So when I think of listening to that and, and your solution, I know there's an Arbo portal, there's an Arbo planner. Um, I, often I find an easy way to share with the listeners and viewers what you do is is the role play. So I'm Kevin. I'm a, I, I'm not Busa, but maybe I'll just call myself Kevin. And, I, and I've got a woodlot and I've got some veto issues and all sorts of issues happening mm -hmm. right now. And I need your help. So I, I call Marcus and Jacob and I say, hey, I need your your help. Um, but I'm busy. I'm busy farming. So I don't have much, that much time. I just need <laughs> to solve my problem. And you're probably like, this is exactly how it goes. What do, what do I need to give you? I, I don't have a drone. Um, yeah. uh, I just know my, my forest is over there. So maybe walk me through that journey of of what I need to do or provide you to to get and what am I what am I going to get back I'm assuming um, the apps are I can put on my phone and display maps and query and get an answer but maybe walk me through that that step of what I would need to give you especially if our listeners are saying hey I might want to try something with Arbo Air what are the things I need to prepare for so when I call Marcus or Jacob they'll be like yep let's go ready to go here are the the things yeah so I would say like it, 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 it depends if you, Kevin, uh, like to fly your own drones or if you have that in kind of interest, uh, then, then you just uh, call us and say, oh, I have a drone. Uh, I want to fly my estate. I want to uh, analyze that. Okay, we say do that by our drone guide. And then you, you just gather the images and you drag and drop it up, up to our cloud and you get the, the analysis. Uh, like uh, to, to look at there. Uh, but if you say like, oh no, you know, the, these drones, they're so, I don't know, you know, they're very hard to understand or something. Uh, uh, then we just say, okay, we send somebody out there. Uh, they're gonna fly the whole estate for you and, and they're gonna gather all the images uh, that we need. Uh, and then you get the result uh, back. And we're gonna send an email to you when the, everything is ready. And then you can look it up yourself. Okay. Okay. So thinking of that, thinking on the drones, they, maybe I'll go to Jacobson's more on the technical side. Um, are there specific types of drones we have to use? Is it multispectral we're talking about or, or LIDAR or something um, slam? I don't know on a drone, but what, what is there a secret sauce as I sometimes call it or a special thing, or is it just fly the imagery, fly LIDAR, whatever you want, we'll take it and, and use it. Yeah, that, that's the secret sauce in our solution. We can take in a really wide range of sources. You can use a LiDAR drone, uh, as long as you give us some RGB images as well. You can use a simple commercial drone bought on a, a, a 
just some regular electronic store for, for a cheap price. Uh, and you can use whatever you have and we'll gather that data that you provide us and we will give you information through that day from that data. Okay. So, so that's a bit about the secret sauce. We call it the Arbor way. You could actually use different kinds. You can use uh, airplane images, you can use uh, images taken from a helicopter. Uh, you can even use satellite imagery. Uh, so, so we have this wide range of sources, depending on the granularity that you need. Do you need a higher resolution of the result? Then of course we need a higher resolution in the input data. So if you have a better lighter data, then we can give you a higher uh, resolution uh, in a result. If you have a higher resolution in imagery, then we can give you a higher resolution in the output result as well. And, and so it's, if you can see the trees uh, in the later data, in the, the images, then our, our AI models can, can detect that and give you the characteristics of every single tree in an image. Okay, so what I'm hearing is, you know, we can extract individual trees, get physical characteristics about them. Maybe as we talk about that beetle, that health component, I think I'm hearing that some measure there. Are there any other biophysical variables that in the secret sauce, the Arboware secret sauce uh, as a customer I could get? Yeah, we actually have a wide range of data. We can, we can extract around almost 30 different parameters per tree. Uh, wow. with our solutions. You can get the height of a tree, uh, the width of the tree in, in different levels of the tree, uh, how you how large the crown is of a tree, and how, how much it's widening out on the uh, on the tree as well. So, so yeah, and, and with all this information, we have algorithms to uh, tell you exactly which tree contains which kind of, of carbon. We can tell you which trees has the best suitable or is best suitable for different kind of biodiversity uh, activities uh, and so on. So right. yeah, we can extract a lot of information. Right, so touching a lot on, on the timber, the commercial timber, carbon, biodiversity, biodiversity ecosystem yeah. services. Yeah, very, very cool. So, so staying with you, Jacob, I'm, I'm assuming, again, watching, listening, talking to you and Marcus, uh, uh, I'm sure Marcus wants everything yesterday and, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, come on, like, like this can't be that complicated, Jacob. Like, come on, let's build this. Maybe tell me more about the, the, the technology behind the scenes. We're talking about AI. You mentioned going into the cloud. Are there anything special? Like, are you using public clouds like Azure, Azure or AWS or, or, or what can you share in terms of the technologies that are at play? I'd, I'd say that both me and Marcus are a bit, how complicated can it be? Uh, nothing's impossible. That, that's both me and Marcus' uh, view on, on everything. And the, mo and the best technical stars is not me at Arbor. We have a tech team that's amazing. They, they get prices all the time for how, how great they are. So I'll try and summarize all of the amazing things that our tech team does. And uh, yeah, we're using, we're using a cloud solution and we are partnered with, uh, with the AVS. Uh, so we're an, an certified AWS partner uh, using their, their uh, cloud and, and their computing uh, solutions. Uh, but we have our own uh, developed algorithms for, for most of our solutions. We have some networks that we have trained uh, from off the shelf, but, but most of our solution is self-developed algorithms uh, when it comes to, to what we use. We, we, most of the people in our Moir come from a computer science background or, or a, a software background. 
Right, right. Very cool. Very cool. So again, thinking of the background, your introductions, you know, Jacob, you started a company while you're still going through school. So that tells a lot about uh, your your interests, who you are. Then Marcus had kids, you know, while going to school, then had all these uh, ideas. So I think maybe going to Marcus, thinking of where you are um, today, there's also this concept of inventory as a service I saw on your website. Um Tell me more about that. What's the thinking there as we, as Jacob described, you know, there's all like 30 variables, parameters we can extract on trees. We can do all sorts of different things. Um, but is the long-term vision of Arboware to uh, be a SaaS, a software as a service company that offers inventory as service? And this is a stepping stone to get there? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, that that's actually what we do today like the, the customers that we like almost like 50 50 maybe of the customers that we have today uh 50 of them they they use this as just as a software as a service and and they pay monthly uh, others they they maybe have a very certain like um project that they want to do for a customer or for themselves if they own a lot of forest or something and they say oh we want to know everything about this forest maybe they're going to buy the forest maybe they're going to um uh, do do some cutting thinnings something you know and they just want to have an analyze for that uh, on a really really good level and then they call us and we do that project with them so uh, but but like in the long run, uh, we're thinking of like people could just like log into our, our portal and just say like, this is my estate, wherever it is in the world, like, and you, you, you log in and you say like, I want this uh, checked uh, and then we do the rest. So that's like, that's the goal, the mission, like the vision for the, for, for the service, I would say. Right, right. And thinking of your website, I saw some press releases, you know, Holman, um in sweden was testing your technology and i'm sure what you just said you know there's lots of examples i think you've already saved the industry like two million dollars for you know x thousands of hectares yeah but what what has the journey gone the way you expected and then i'm thinking from like the adoption or reception from maybe to start with the swedish forest industry and then we can go beyond but has it been welcoming with open arms or has there been some uh, speed bumps in the, the journey of Arboware and trying to maybe, I'd say, convince people that this works or is doable? Uh, it's not, you know, uh, AI ruling the world. There's some guardrails. <laughs> what, what can you share about your experience so far? Because this is pretty cutting edge. Yeah. It's technology you're dealing with. Mm. I would say like, um yeah it, the the biggest thing to handle actually is is the like it's such a disruptive innovation you know so so it's like it's like uh it's like people they can't really grasp how how effective this is you know they always have their knowledge from how people like how you do today right so like in sweden usually people go out by foot and they look through the forest by foot and and shake it up and and they make maybe plans for how to to handle that forest in maybe 10 years or something uh, and and today they like 
they could do like maybe 20 to 50 hectares uh, per day, you know? And like with our technology, you can do like maybe 500 to 1000 hectares uh, like in a day. And, and you, you have a knowledge of all the trees there, you know? It, even if it's like, you can just search for like, oh, I want, I want to see where my pines are that are uh, 23 years old with this uh, height and this diameter. Uh, oh, they're, they're here on the map, you know? So, and it's, it's people, people need to, from the beginning, they were like, oh, I can do 20 hectares better with this, you know? I can do it more, like more efficient these 20, but when you say like, yeah, but you know, take everything, you know? Uh, it, it's like, oh, how can I handle this? And how, how can I do like, what should I do now then? And some people, they just say, well, what should I do the rest of the year then? <laughs> if I could do it this quickly. Uh, so that kind of, of uh, bumps we have uh, met, but, um, but actually, usually it's like this. It, you know, when, when our customers have like pressed the button, like scan this forest or, or like experience the, the, the technology in any way, then that kind of uh, uh, bump just disappears. You know, it, they just, oh, this, is it this quick? Is it this? Can I see that? Is this really what, you know? And, and then they're like, and, and some of our customers that, you know, as you said, whole men and so on, you know, they use this for the, their whole uh, inventory for the South of Sweden uh, last year. And, and the, the people doing it last year, they're like, you know, there's no turning back now. You know, when you when you done this for for some weeks, you know, you can't go back. Uh, so, because you like like what you can do in a day, you can you can like work for for a month. You know, it's not it's not even uh, possible. Yeah, well, digital transformation uh, as an example under underway there for sure. So maybe going to to Jacob uh, on something a bit more technical and, and not to say you know Marcus can't answer it because I sense both of you are very complementary and aligned in terms of your thinking and, and capabilities but your platform solution also offers an API or application programming interface so maybe tell me more on on where that idea came from and what you're trying to accomplish uh, by offering an API um, to to your customers yeah it, it mainly comes from that we are we're uh we're analytical experts. We're really good at creating algorithms, training AI models, and, and setting up the environment for, for our, our analysis uh, solutions to work. And doing a front end and a system for, for users to use it has from the beginning been a, a means to an end, a means to, to try it, test it. We started actually as only an analysis solution with, with selling API, the API key. Uh, it didn't work, not at all. Yeah. Nobody wanted to buy an API unless they could try it and test it. So we actually had to develop our, our front end and, and the system for people to actually access it more easily. And we're, we see that we're going towards a transition where other software and, and system providers are contacting us wanting to use our, our analyticals models uh, in their own system to sell them forward to, to, uh, to others as well. So that's the reason why we created our, our 
uh, are packaged with an API so that that other system providers could could use our analytical models for for their customers as well. Yeah, so very interesting. I thought the API would have come after, but what you're saying is, you know, we we originally thought, like from a business model point of view, we would be we would have the API, and then you had to build the front end after the fact versus the other way around. So that that's quite fascinating, and it sounds like in the end, the result, the output was correct in the sense that people do want the API, but you needed to give them something to touch, feel, or smell. As I I, I joke sometimes, until you do that. Uh, what you have isn't legitimate for some odd reason. Okay, so that's that's very cool. So so thinking of your technology for our listeners and viewers, if if we were to describe the unique value proposition about Arboyer, what 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 would you say? And I'll get, I'll open that to either one of you to to tackle the million dollar I, question. Yeah, I'd say that we are, our solution is is flexible in the sense that we can use a so wide range of sources. We can take in a lot of different kind of data sources to provide a result. And at the same time, it's a solution that goes very, very quickly. If you have a standard commercialized uh, cheap DJI drone, you can take at least a thousand hectares of forest a day easily. Uh, and, and if you have a, maybe a, a drone with a, a wings instead of a, a quadrocopter, you can take like five or 10,000 hectares a day. Then you add it to the, a great sensor to an airplane, you can take 50,000 hectares a day. So it, the, the solution is scalable in the sense that we can use different kinds of sensors. You can take large areas. Uh, our solution is cost-effective for customers because you can take, you can scale it up and down with, with the usage and how much forest that you have in your states or the states that you are, are uh, connected to. And, and it's, yeah, I'd say that that is, the main reasons and and of course almost 30 parameters on a tree level i think that's that's not many many others that actually can provide that kind of insights yeah Mar marcus what do you think anything to add to jacob's uh jacob's pitch i think it's uh, what he said is so so true and it's very you know it's spot on and but one other thing here is that that is also a difference between some of some of our co competitors is like some just use like low resolution images or like 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 free satellite images or something you know then it's not high precision uh, you, you can't you can just say like in this region you know uh, it seems to be a problem uh, so so you go and check it out you know and it, you know so you anyhow you need to put on your your boots and go out and check it out you know uh, it's a little bit too rough and what what we do is like when it's high precision we can just say pick this tree you know and and there are there are companies in sweden developing drones uh, for for harvesting trees and they need to GPS location for a tree. So we can like, oh, here are all the trees that you want. Just go and pick them up and fly them out, you know? And it's not, that's very unusual that you can do that. Right, for sure. Yeah, and something very trendy in the EU is the, the, uh, the new kind of methods to, to, uh, to work with your forest. Today we have the clear cut method. People want the continuity kind of forest where you pick dead single trees in a forest and let the under ones grow up mm -hmm. and that requires 
that requires more precision data about the forestry. Right, right. Very interesting. So thinking of your example of 1,000 to 10,000 hectares, the 50,000 or 100,000 hectares, um, two questions on, on that front. One around speed. I'm hearing it's fast. It goes to the cloud. Um, but how fast is fast? Like, So can you help me quantify 1,000 to, I don't know, 50,000 hectares is this? Uh, I upload it and I get a result back in two minutes or one day or what, yeah. what's fast? Usually in, in Sweden, uh, the, the benchmark, like a lot of people in Sweden, you, like they own somewhere between uh, 50 or 100 he hectares. So we benchmark at 100 hectares. So, so um, if we do an analysis on 100 hectares, it should be... Uh, you should fly the drone, get the result, and look it up in your iPad or something in 30 minutes. That's like wow. that's the benchmark for that. Um, like we haven't had any customers going up to like 50,000 hectares in like you know going with airplanes yet. Uh, so I don't really know the numbers for that, but we have built it in a very scalable way. So it's. Yeah, I would say like the day after, anyhow. Yeah, yeah, very impressive, very impressive. And and the reason I also ask that is depending, as, as both of you know, as uh, without question, depending where you are in the world, it's either, you know, thousands of hectares or at least in Canada, millions of hectares. And so having yeah. that scalability is is critical. Mm -hmm. and, and so the second question, and I always ask, it's the awkward one, but I know all our listeners, viewers always ask, I want to know is, is there a sense of order of magnitude of cost that you can share? So someone listening can go, oh, it's a per unit hectare or acre cost, or or what can you share on that front? And again, we don't need details as opposed to some order of magnitude. So people people can get a sense that I need a million bucks, uh, I need 5 million bucks, or I need uh, $1.99. So Kevin, then, uh, what would you like to pay for it if you have an estate in in canada yeah good good question 30 parameters you know right now in canada some folks will pay two to five bucks a hectare as an example um for mm. not 30 not 30 variables mm. um at scale some might pay less some might pay more some might pay infinite amount of money if you're able to actually solve my problem um, but with anything, I think in, at least in Canada, the U S there's a lot of private land. So I think it fits that, mm -hmm. that estate model very well in mm -hmm. Canada, you know, there's some private land out East and mm -hmm. in other out West, but for the large part, there are large chunks of yeah. middle of nowhere, nothingness. Um, so being able to solve that problem of the remote geography while providing precision data is key, mm -hmm. but our forests are also natural, complex, ugly, things you know multiple species versus the types in um in in sweden there i think you guys have about you can count them on your hands versus we need multiple hands to count our species but that that gives you a sense of uh people will pay if i think the mistake i often hear when i talk to the community is that we can't afford it 
but often we don't we haven't spent the time to define what it is we actually are trying to address or answer yeah. and then and then we almost kind of jump put the the horse in front of the cart but that's roughly order of magnitude where i'm seeing you know people flying and then translating um data on a pixel or, or individual tree level what i what yeah, i also understand from from canada is that usually uh, correct me if i if i'm wrong here but uh, what I heard is that you have big, like quite big forest companies, and they 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 like almost rent a forest or like because it's the government that owns everything, right? And then they take like oh this this chunk of like woodland I need to harvest from is it right? And Absolutely. then they take that. Yeah, yeah, it's crown land. So for the most part in Canada, it's crown land, and so. Um, large forestry companies have leases mm. on the land and then based on their requirements as foresters as good stewards of the environment it's their job to make sure that that the resources harvested sustainably and uh, future and available for future future generations so absolutely uh in canada it's very different in in sweden and um and that's why i say in the us there's there's a lot of private you know probably similar models um, so from that point of view, what, what can you share in terms of what your, your, your costs look like? We could say that mainly, uh, we see that there's usually, uh, usually big problem with a hectare based pricing because mm -hmm. a hectare based pricing means that people tend to be more restrictive with what they want to, to get insights about uh, when it comes to invasive species or, or forest damages that tends not to be a good way of doing it. Being restricted with what, what you analyze will probably make it so that you miss important areas. Right. So we're actually trying to, uh, to give our customers the possibility to analyze as much as they want on their estates, which means that we're trying to get a fixed price per estate uh, and then let the customers do a hundred analysis or one analysis for the same price in their estate. Yeah, makes sense. So, so for for our audience, what if I paraphrase what Marcus and and Jacob are saying is it depends. You have to call them to figure out what it yeah. is, what you need. It's it's too variable. It depends. There's too many factors, and they'll help yeah. guide you through um, their process. And and that's totally cool and understandable. So I want to, I want to shift the discussion a little bit, because I'm, I, I've enjoyed it very much learning more about you and, and putting you on the hot seat a little bit, to be honest with you, it's part of the fun, but I'm also curious to know what your views are on the future, because, um, we could deep dive, you know, specific AI technologies, specific cloud technologies, but again, in the digital forester podcast, most of our audience, they're not those like a large proportion of them are I would call geeks and nerds and I say that in a loving way but there's also a large proportion that are, are still learning about their digital transformation journey so I'd like to shift the discussion maybe more into the future I'm curious to know what both of you think so on the drones front it sounds like um, you know if you have drones fly and collect data you have a guide that you can provide best practices but where do you see the drone world going in the next couple years or or has it reached a point of maturity that it's good enough for what you need to do or is there something that excites you that man if, if we can just tweak that drone side a little bit more we can get so much more out of that arbo air platform mm. 
from from the drone side, I think I think there will be more specialized drones for different kind of like uh, work, like if they're gonna go to mines or if they're gonna go to the forest or the fields, and you know. Uh, I think that their the requirements will be a little bit different. So, because now it's almost like DJI having the whole almost the whole market, right? And they do their their drones in their way uh, that they done all, and everybody just needs to adapt to that, right? So that we we work with what we have. Uh, but I think in the, in in the future there will be more specialized drones for different kind of uh, uh, environments. Um, uh, AI wise, I think like a, you know, I AI, you know, it's gonna be everywhere. You know, it's 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 not like oh, you know, you know, the the internet, you know, it's gonna pass. No, you know, the internet is staying and the AI is staying there. So I think it's just gonna be more of that because uh, it's such a it's a, such a powerful tool to use. Um, then I think like. All over, the, all over the world, you know, we've been speaking like in, in Europe anyhow, like I think in, in US and, and Canada too, you know, speaking a lot more about the climate and the climate change and, you know, the uh, UN reports, EPCC reports talking about like, uh, like last one I, I read this year, they, they said like, you know, um, how you how we handle the forest and how we 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 take care of the forest is a real one of the biggest impact of like capturing carbon you know on on the surface of the, our, our surface of, of, of the earth and um, and also like is i think it's going to be more and more critical just to see, look into like how much carbon is captured in my estate in my city in my town uh, you know all that kind of stuff, you know, analyzing. And also like, I think also like in, in the long run, also talk, talking more about biodiversity. Can we look into biodiversity? What, what if, we, if, we do, uh, if we do harvesting in the way that we do today, is it really, a, is it a good way for, for biodiversity really? Should we change it? I don't know, but I think it, we're gonna look into that and, and and, and it's going to be some kind of change, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, certainly the the recent, uh, you know, announcements from the UN on climate change and where we're going, you know, the, mm. I think uh, I was going to say a stark warning, but maybe it's the starkest mm. of multiple warnings, you know, we're on a yeah. Uh, well past maybe that that point of no return. Uh, Jacob, mm. from your side, what, what do you think of on the technology side that that will be disruptive over the 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 coming years or maybe what what gets you excited um as you think forward into the future i i get excited by seeing how much after the the drone industry is so it's so far behind what what the the, the need is it's 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 been a lot of the, the drone industry has been influenced way too much by agriculture and construction it seems like the drone manufacturers and the ones uh, have, that have focused on drone operations and, and developing solutions for drones and drone imagery has missed the forest. The, mm. the forest covers a huge amount of the, the world and is a huge industry. 
And drones are perfect. They're perfect to get around where you're not able to access by yourselves, where, where it's too it's it's too unflexible or too expensive to fly with an airplane. So I what I would want to see is stations around around the world where you actually could just like rent a drone, mm. setting them out to just automatically fly out, scan areas, and then fly back. That would mm. be awesome. And I think that if the if the drone industry are going, it's going to move more towards actually collecting data like satellites are today. Satellites are just like clipping images here and there. And then we're using single images to gain insights from uh, an area. With, when it comes to drones, it's more made to be collecting high overlap images to create high overlap orthomosaics. It takes a lot of time and you use a lot of images to get insights. What we do at Arboair, we, we use we can use one single image to gain insights of an area. And we we're if you could just cover an area with no overlap at all, you can still fully cover an area of, of a forest and gain you the same insights as you get when you fly a high overlap to create a real orthomosaic and, and so on. So using drones more like satellites. Mm. Mm, I think that could be a, a yeah, I think that could be a good way of actually utilizing them more for. for so I want to, I want to, I want to poke at one of your comments when you said, you know, the drone industry has kind of looked over forestry. What, what open question to either one of you? What, why do you think that is? Oh, I think agriculture and construction are industries that has been going a bit faster. They're a bit smaller, and, and especially agriculture. You could actually you could usually compare agriculture to forestry. They, they are a bit alike in, in the industry and in the technology and so on. And it's, I think it's been easier to develop for uh, agriculture than for forestry. And forestry has been, it's been working for so long. At the same time as the prices for food are shoveled down into the ground and the, the, the farmers need to get more efficient ways of working. Uh, they have to, to drive that kind of innovation to be profitable. The forest industry, industry hasn't been put to the test, so to say, uh, when it comes to, to the same kind of development. Right, right. What about you, yeah. Marcus? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think it's like, you know, uh, usually the forest is very, you know, the areas are so large, they're so big areas, you know, that that you want to scan, and in the beginning there were limitations of the battery capacities flying those drones, and and it's it seems like it's. You know, for every year, it's, it's the same in the car industry and everywhere, you know, you know, the battery capacities are getting better and better. And, and um, I think that that's some kind of problem that they had, you know, they, they started off flying drones in a very small area, you know, where you can just use a little bit of battery, just filming, taking images. So, uh, but not, as time goes, it's going to be more and more, you know, 
some, as I said before, I think some drones gonna have just wings um, and fly for like hours and hours, just scanning everything, uh, almost like the satellites, as Jacob talked uh, uh, about. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That could be. For sure, for sure. So, so as a precision forestry company who does use AI, um, one question I forgot to ask, I was looking at my notes here. We all know with AI, you've got to train the models. So in the Arbo Air model, is this something, again, in the secret sauce that you have your own, uh, the non-AI guy set, calls it the library, your own proprietary library data? Or is this something when you go talk to a Busa or somebody, they need to provide that to you to make 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 the magic work? A Busa. Oh, sorry, the farmer. I heard Busa for his name. Abusa. Oh, Busa. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so so if if we have something very special about the AI and how we trained it, is it that the question? Yeah, the training data. Is there, do you have your own training data or would I have to provide you training data or field data to make, oh. make the solution work? Yeah, yeah I understand. Uh, no, we have our own training data, That's and, what I uh, and actually we we trained uh, we made the training data from like a large variety of different kind of drones, different kind of uh, settings, lights, uh, yeah, altitudes, and so on. And and there's been um, uh, uh, yeah, Mesta. Do you know the the name for that, Jacob? Well, Forestry, uh, forester, forest. They're educated in forestry. Yeah, bachelor in forestry. And they, they they go to university five years to learn forestry, uh, uh, to like learn everything about it. So those kind of people are uh, doing actually the the, um, uh, I mean the ground truth for us. Right, right, for sure. Cool. So so. As we look to wind down before we get there, a, a question I, I have to ask, given where we are today and it's talked about like literally every single day and you're, you probably know where I'm going already, but ChatGPT3 and then even ChatGPT4 is out here. So for those listening that may not be familiar, it's an LLM, large language model, AI, you can ask it and converse with it as if it was a human and ask it questions you know yeah. google has their bard open ai that's chat gpt and microsoft and there's all sorts of different variants pretty cool technology but i'm curious to know your each of your thoughts scary or excited as you watch what's unfolding on on that space and based on your answer um how does that guide where arboair is going in the next year in terms of your your product roadmap and your innovation <laughs> it's a big one, I know. <laughs> it's yeah. a big one. I, I've, I've used Chat G, uh, GTP, uh, and I, I, I love it. I think it's really, really good. You know, you, you can ask it anything, and it just gives you an answer. Like, who am I? Do, 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 do. Oh, now I know. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but the thing is, with all kind of technology, it's been the same. Like since Einstein, you know, he, he made like splitting atoms you know and you know it could be used for very good stuff and it could be used for terrible stuff 
So, and, you know, we, we're trying to like save the forest with it. We're trying to like uh, keep the carbon going, you know, the trees living and a, and a good healthy environment. Uh, we're also like people can take out forest and build big houses with forest and you know, like, you know, lumber and so on. And, but you can also make weapons with those things. So it's, it's not, it's always, you know, the balance of life is getting into like the balance of life. And if you get too much of something, it's, you know, you lose something else. And mm, I don't know, yin and yang. Yeah, for sure. Jacob, what do you think? Uh, I, I think that chat GTP is, uh, is based on what's out on the internet and the, the internet is full of crap. So it, it will definitely give us a lot of crap uh, and it's full of bias uh, and it's totally amazing when it comes to some things that we use it for. It's, it's incredible at some different kind of things, but it's also very general in its application and in what it does. But I think that it has the potential of being like this kind of, of broad health in a lot of sense. What we're doing in our wire is, is trying to do something that fits into a more niche solution, something that def- can be defined by a specific problem or need that we can solve. That, that's what we're trying to achieve more. And I think what I've learned from ChatGTP is that Bias can be good, bias can be bad. And when it comes to our boar, bias can be really good because when it, like as it is today, you have a lot of, of uh, sources that can go wrong. But with our solution, let's say that we have a precision and a recall of, of 95%. It's very persistent well, with the, what it does wrong. And that's something that's very, very positive with an AI, I think. Right, right. Very cool. It's a great answer. What do you think, Kevin? What do I think? Well, well, in the discussion of things you guys said, you know, the the term AI for good, right, is a theme that uh, Marcus captures what you said, you know, there's benefits to society for sure. And and we got to use it in a good way, but you can also use it in nefarious ways. I, 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 I think there's a camp that's kind of diminishing it in the sense that um, when we think about you know deep learning neural networks you know I did a course in grad school on neural networks like I'm going to date myself but 20 years ago so that uh, not necessarily new but how they've put chat GPT together in the cloud and like that's fascinating so I'm very I don't want to say bullish or excited about it Um, I am but I think it's more of a a fundamental point in time where we're we're pivoting so um the internet was one last go around mobile was another yeah this is the third one so the sooner people can accept or get on board with that um even watching the speed of other firms integrating ai into their companies it's it's almost like if you don't you're gonna die like as a business you you gotta leverage it and and do something with it otherwise someone else and it could be a person or the ai itself is going to do it and put you out of business so so that's a part that scares me but also excites me because 
Um, there's so much you can do with it. And we're just scratching at the surface right now. We're very early, I think, across the 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 board. So I'm I'm very much excited to see what the the world can do and and to both your points, what it could do for forestry, mm. you know, natural resource management, you know carbon management, climate change, you know, the benefit society as a whole. So very, very much excited on that. Mm -hmm. So guys, I know we're at time. I know you're both super busy. Jacob, you just had a new bundle of joy join your life. And as I joke, you're early two weeks in. So baby's still cute for now, <laughs> or maybe another 48 hours. We'll see if Mark has gone through it. Right. And, and I don't know if you know, when I was talking to Marcus, I guess you guys got to give a live demo to the the king of Sweden next week. So yeah, yeah no, no pressure, right? Like, oh, no. yeah, absolutely. And whatsoever. <laughs> so we already talked to the prince. So why not the king? Yeah, yeah. it's but time this... to talk to the king now. Yes, yeah, so yeah, so he owns a lot of forest in Sweden, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this time I want to see a selfie. I know in your notes, you're like, we didn't oh, yeah. take a selfie with the oh. prince. I want to see yeah. that on social media tweet with you two guys with the king with a selfie and i'll like yeah. it and, and we'll retweet it but yes. thanks so much for joining me on this call i had a great time learning about you i love you asking questions back fantastic so if folks want to reach you to learn more whether to partner on the drone side on the ai side or to hire you for mm. your capabilities what's the best way they can get a hold of you is it email website social what can you share orbware.com yeah everything's there our, our linkedin our tiktok our uh Instagram, our Facebook, our, our phone numbers, emails, everything is accessible via arbware.com. There you yeah. go. Awesome. Love it. Modern company. Other people are like, what? Yes. Not one social or the other. You guys got it all. You're like, listen. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> so, Marcus, Jacob, thanks so much yeah, for Do you have a TikTok, Kevin? Uh, TikTok. <laughs> I, uh, the reason I don't use TikTok is because if I have it on my phone, there goes the day. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit there scrolling. I'm fascinated by it, but it also <laughs> does terrible things on my my work life balance and schedule. But guys, love have, I can get that. I get that. Yeah. If you would yeah. have TikTok, you you will see us dance there. Yeah. There you go. I, okay, so I want a selfie with the king, and I want to dance off with the king on social. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Looking forward to that. So, guys, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you, the conversation. Thank Wishing you. you all the luck. And I'm going to watch from the side to see what you guys do and rest of the community. But I encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast to reach out to Marcus and Jacob from Arboir and see what they're up to. And on that note, all the best with that demo next week. And we'll, we'll see you on social. See you very much. Thank you very much for inviting us.